Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Lethal Vendetta. Hailing from Sydney, Australia, this band comes armed with the ultimate artillery, a precise and highly effective blend of thrash, groove, and traditional metal which pays homage to the great metal titans that have come before them. Check out lethalvendetta.bigcartel.com and download their music on all digital media outlets. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Wednesday, November 6, 2019, and you are tuned into HTM Sports here, presented by the HTM Podcast Network online, hitting the marks.com and simulcast on Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that R and the B to the B. Rick Vickery and Jargo, this might be. The absolute worst week of my life. The dream is dead. Those damn Dolphins couldn't get the job done. They had to go out there and outplay the Jets. The dream is dead. The toilet bowl, the Ofer Bowl, December 22nd. It means nothing now. It means absolutely nothing when the Bengals travel to South Beach to play the Dolphins. I mean, everything is lost in the NFL. I don't even care if we discuss it for the rest of the year here on Hashtag HT. You know, this is probably the lightest NFL run that we have for the entire season. Part of that is because of the college football playoff rankings. Part of that is because of the NCAA basketball season tipping off. Part of that is baseball's hot stove league getting ready to heat up. Part of it is just we're in the middle of the NFL season and a lot of the games just aren't that entertaining right now. Like, do do people really want to hear us talk about like the Jets and the Giants at this point? Yeah, I don't even think, you know, our, our partners that are in that hub of New York, New Jersey area, I don't think they want to talk about it. I, don't th- I haven't heard Big Ray peeping about this at all. Yeah, how bad is the New York sports scene right now outside of the Yankees? Right, the Jets stink. The Giants stink. The Knicks stink. The Rangers and the Islanders are, are there. You know, but it's New York. Nobody's really talking about hockey at this point in the season. Nobody cares until the playoffs start anyway. The New York sports scene right now is sad. And that's not good for any league. Something uh, something very sour in the Big Apple. You know, and even outside, you, you know, you can, you can put over the Yankees. Yeah, they had an exciting year. But, you know, anything short of a World Series and a championship is a huge disappointment for, you know, for the boys in the pinstripes. Yeah, we'll see if we can uh, fire up the pinstripes when we make it to the hot stove league. Got some thoughts on that. Want to start off? College football playoff rankings have been released. Teams one through eight. Number one, the Ohio State University which is an absolute farce because it should be number two, LSU, number three, Alabama, number four, Penn State, Clemson, Georgia, Oregon, and Utah rounding out the final eight. Rick, people are pissed. And, you know, me and you, we talked about this immediately after this came out. No, they're trying to make a television show. So they put two SEC teams Two Big Ten teams knowing full damn well over the next two weeks they're going to play each other. Rick, do people just not understand that they're trying to get TV ratings just as much as anybody else is? Well, you know, first of all, Jargo, I've been telling you all year since week one, I, I entertained your, your little argument, your little debate there that LSU was the best in the country. But I told you, hands down, them Buckeyes would be sitting there at the top. When we got into this college football playoff ranking system, and yes, that's where the Buckeyes are, right where they belong. But you're exactly right, Jago. This is pure brilliance on behalf of the committee. You talk about generating some serious heat. You know, I made the joke to you. I mean, who's in charge of this thing? Eric Bischoff? Controversy creates cash. And that's absolutely what we have here. I don't think there really is any surprise, uh, you know, if 
if we just dismiss the order that they're ranked in here, the three of them, the, the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Crimson Tide, and the LSU Tigers, uh, no surprise there. I think the big shakeup that really caught people was to see Penn State sliding there. But, hey, they played some tough games. They've won some big games. They're still undefeated. They're rocking and rolling. Put them in here. Create a – and especially the brilliance of this is how they actually seeded this thing, to move the Buckeyes to one so that you could put Penn State in there at four where you have that Big Ten matchup in one semifinal if it was to go down this week. You got the SEC in the other one. But they, they, know, they know that this is going to play itself out. You know, likely one of the, if on each side of that, one of those teams isn't going to make it. There will only be two remaining. And in any other scenario, there will only be three of the four that are still standing come playoff time. Yeah, and I, they're just going to beat each other up. I mean, all, all, all of this top four, they're just going to beat each other up. So people losing their minds at this point is absolutely, completely pointless. On the outside looking in, which I think is much more important at this point, number five, Clemson. Obviously, they keep winning. I can't believe in any way that Clemson's not going to make it into this top four. The one that I find intriguing is Georgia at six because Georgia is going to get a shot at either Alabama or LSU inside of that SEC championship game. Of course, LSU and Alabama have to play each other still. Rick, we were, we have talked about the possibility of two SEC schools squeezing their way into this thing. We thought it was going to be Alabama and LSU I'm starting to think the other one's Georgia. Well, absolutely. You know, is we were talking about the you know the potential there on that side of the SEC. I mean, you got the big showdown. This is you know the first time in how many years? I mean, maybe ever that you've had a one and number two playing each other this late in the season. You know, where so much is at stake this late in the season. To go back real quick to this as well. I mean, you've got talk about the brilliance of the committee. What does this do to those ratings? What does this do to those advertising dollars, especially for the late sales on this game? And then in a couple of weeks when you got, you know, if they can take care of their business, Penn State and Ohio State. I mean, it, they just sold that thing. I mean, that just tripled the value of those games. It's tripled the viewership at a minimum. Absolute brilliance again here. But as we're talking about the SEC, I, I really think for them still to get two teams into this thing. It, you're going to have to see LSU or Alabama, whoever emerges victorious comes this Saturday, you're going to have to see them go on and win the SEC championship game. I think if Georgia, you know, if they're in all likelihood gets themselves to that championship game and wins it, I think that that eliminates that other side of the SEC. I don't think you're going to be able to put the loser of that SEC championship game into that playoff situation because it's going to be too fresh. So then if, if Georgia can pull this off, win the SEC championship, I think you only get one SEC school in there. And then that opens up, you know, a whole a whole new conversation of who are going to be those top four. At that point, you've got to figure Clemson taking care of business in the ACC, Georgia, if they could win the SEC, whoever wins the Big Ten. And then you got to be really, you know, that, that big conversation coming in for from the 12 and the pack. Yeah, Oregon and Utah rounding out the top eight. I looked; those two teams do not play one another. Um, Rick, does the Pac-12 do a championship game though? I th I believe they do. Won't those two teams play each other in the championship game? Yeah, they they have gone to a championship mode. So, and I think what's ultimately that would help either one of those two. If that is the case here, I would have to I have to pull up the look at the Pac. Uh, admittedly, not as familiar because you know they have been out of the conversation for so many years. I think what's really going to come back and is going to kill the 12 is no championship game. What have you yeah. done for me lately? Where are you going to stand out late in the season here? And especially, you know, for a team like Oklahoma that was you know, hoping to maybe get back in this conversation, uh, that's going to come back and bite them in the rear end. And it was a bad loss. That, that Oklahoma game, that was a bad loss. There's no reason Oklahoma lost that thing. Uh, Georgia has Missouri coming up. Clemson at North Carolina State. Uh, probably the game of the weekend without any question outside of, you know, the, the impending LSU Alabama is going to be Penn State and Minnesota, which nobody is talking about. Minnesota ranked number 17. No love for the Gophers in this thing. Penn State at Minnesota. Rick, is there any chance that the Golden Gophers can pull that thing off? You know, and this this is another wrench that could be thrown into this machine here. If Minnesota, you know, who has flown under this radar, who's not getting in any kind of conversation, you know, in prepping and kind of listening to the, the talking heads that are a little bit above us here, you don't hear anything from them. 
I think, you know, we're one of the only ones that have mentioned them over the last couple of weeks and largely in part because we're here in Big Ten country. Right. And you got to kind of take notice of that. Now, if they could come out here and shock the world, uh, you're talking about a complete, you know, a complete mix up, throwing everything in the blender for this playoff system. Alabama obviously plays LSU. That game is at Alabama. The Ohio State University. Rick, on your run, it says Minnesota. That's obviously not right because they're playing Penn State. It's the other team from the Big Ten that starts with an M, and it's Maryland. Uh, A 43-and-a-half-point spread for this thing. Ohio State is favored to win this game by 43-and-a-half points. You have to put your money on Maryland, right? Uh, absolutely, especially this late in the season. You're going to call off the dogs at some point, start resting some bodies. You don't want to show too much. And, it, and you're just not going to run over. You, you want to rest your legs here because you've got these big games coming up. And they've got a hell of a stretch coming you know, down this final run for Ohio State. Uh, absolutely. I, I think Ohio State wins this thing handedly. Uh, but, hell, I mean, that's a, that's a mighty mountain of a, of a spread to cover. Okay, Mr. Ohio State, let me ask you this question. Because this week when we also see Iowa and Wisconsin are going to square off. Uh, Who does the Ohio State University want in that Big Ten championship game representing the Big Ten West? Do they want Iowa? Do they want Wisconsin? Do they want Minnesota? You know what? Line them all up. Let them each play a quarter. Whoever does the best can have the fourth quarter. Because, hey, we just line them up. We knock them down. That's Buckeye football, baby. That's how we're taking care of business. But in all seriousness, I, I don't think, you know, that's a, I don't think that's on their mind right now. You know, right now it's get through Penn State, take care of business with Michigan, uh, and then when we get there, that's the last, that's the last hurdle. If you want to, if you want to hold your spot at number one, just keep doing what you've been doing all year, and that's going out there and flat out throttling individuals, uh, squash matches left and right. The sexiest game is clearly Wisconsin and Ohio State. Does Ohio State want any part of Wisconsin a second time around? I mean, we're, we're going to talk about this in the NFL, too. You know, It's awful hard to beat the same team twice. Well, again, you know, it's they, they know you. They're fired up. They're hungry. You might have a letdown. You embarrassed them. I mean, if you're well, going to give Wisconsin another shot at Ohio State after being embarrassed, that's going to be one hell of a chip on their shoulder. I don't think Ohio State wants that game. Uh, yeah, it's, again, you know, it's a different dynamic in college football. It's not, you know, like the NFL where you don't want to come back around on. I mean, you know your goal. You have to keep moving forward here. And that's what makes it so great. I mean, you have to be like a shark. You stop swimming. You stay complacent. You're dead. And, you know, with all, you know, this other talk this week about expanding playoffs and all that, to me, I mean, that's just detrimental to the game. Right now, what we got is just what we need. It might even be a little too much in my book, but hey, it's here and I hope it's here to stay. But the Buckeyes are determined. They are focused, just as these other teams are. You know, everybody, we're talking about these top eight. You got to be hungry right now. This is going to be a fight here in the next month or so. And you got to impress a lot of people. You know, you got to impress that committee. You got to keep things rolling. And there's so much that can happen. And right now, and this is why we're leading off this, is why we're going to spend most of our time this next month talking about this, is because this is where the drama is at. This is the main event. This is the marquee. This is why this, this regular season is so important. And that's what makes college football, you know, the the tremendous spectacle that it is. And with that fair pay to play act thing going through, this is one of the last years that it's actually going to matter because I absolutely expect it's just going to be Alabama Clemson going to dominate this thing forever. Maybe throw in another team or two. One of those teams very well could end up being Florida State. Yeah, this year they're four and five, but they sent Willie Taggart packing. Two years is all that Willie Taggart was down there at FSU. And, Rick, the rumor is out there. It's flying. This could be the return of Bob Stoops to college football. Bob Stoops to Florida State with this whole fair pay-to-play thing, with the way that that guy recruits, Florida State could rebound real quick and in a hurry, which is a nightmare for Clemson being in the ACC. Well, I'll tell you who it's an absolute nightmare for. Is Vince McMahon. Yeah. This is a major loss for the XFL. But hey, he probably could stand to go back to college here. And we talked about this trickle-down effect last week on this thing. You know, it's just not about players. It's not about super the super recruiting classes. This is going to go throughout the administration. This is going to go from the ADs to the coaches to the faculty. You know, big news here in Ohio last week. It came out of nowhere. 
from the University of Cincinnati. The athletic director just ups and leaves out of nowhere to take the job at USC. SoCal. You know what? SoCal's going to become a major player and premier destination when these players are able to pick up these royalty fees for their likenesses and appearances and all that. Hey, SoCal's going to be a hot destination once again, and there's going to be financials for everybody. Financials for days. Everybody's getting paid. He's getting on board. The AD there is getting on board now. Before this thing begins, the writing's on the wall. And you're going to see this is like, this going to be so detrimental to the, the entire NCAA. Just not football, not basketball. None of that. Everything across the board is going to feel the ripple effect from this thing. Absolutely agreed. Uh, NCAA basketball tipped off last night. Just real quick before we transition here, just so we don't get anybody yelling at us that we were misinformed on something. We were right. The Pac-12 does have a championship game, and that will be decided on Friday, December 6th of 2019. So that's going to be an opportunity, and that's who would be squaring off there, Utah and Oregon. There can only be one once that thing is said and done that has the opportunity to go to that big dance. So we'll see how it unfolds. TV executives everywhere holding their breath that Oregon wins that game. Nobody wants Utah in that game. Oregon's a national brand now because of that whole Nike deal. God knows what their uniforms would look like if they made it to the college football playoff. If only if only Mormons had televisions. Imagine the spike in the rating you'd get there from Utah. Oh, yeah. Getting heat in Utah. Shout out to all our jazz fans. NCAA basketball tipped off. Duke beats number three, Kansas, 68-66. to Go Devils. Number two, Kentucky takes down number one, Michigan State, 69-62. to Rick, how do you feel about this? The top four teams squaring off in the first game of the season, basically. You know, I, I put it out there on social media. You can follow me at the real RVB across all social media platforms. I shouldn't be having a damn near heart attack in early November due to college basketball. Hashtag nothing matters till March. And that's exactly why I love these big games to start the season. It gives you something to care about. It it, it gives you meaning. You get invested. Let's let the big boys go out there. Let's swing it out. Let's pop this thing. Let's get it going. Let's get a mate. You know, it's like WWE booking at the top of the show. We're going to run Brock Lesnar out there to pop this thing. Because we know the middle of the card, we're going to kind of lose you a little bit. You're, you're going to get lost. You might be start flipping channels. You might get start doing other things here. And that's what college basketball is about. I mean, until you get into the conference games, you're looking for those big early out of, you know, those, those big major matchups. And that's what we're getting here. Let's well, looking at the schedule, too. Hell, within a month, our Blue Devils, we got Michigan State. Yep. That's going to be a big game early in the season. And, you know, and, and those keep you excited. Getting you ready into conference play, which, you know, in the ACC, especially, you know, what we are, you know, so into here, every game in and out, it's a dogfight. Well, let's be clear. When it it comes to college basketball, there's the ACC, and then there's everything else that happens throughout the country when it comes to college basketball. But, you know, then again, you know, but you, you know, what comparison here, we're talking about college football and basketball, and you look at how those postseasons, you know, you got 68 teams in the college postseason. And it's exciting. You know, we all love March Madness, but that's what it's about. It, the, the regular season's really a, like a, it's a tune-up. You're getting warmed up to see what you can do when it's showtime at March Madness. You know, in college football, what makes it so great is that everything, everything's, you know, from week one through the regular season to the playoff, it matters. And, and you know, they're each, they're so special in their own different way there. I find it hilarious that you rip on our friends in Utah for not having televisions and you still have a landline. No matter where you go, there's always a landline. Ridiculous. Hey, I'm conducting business here, okay? Uh-huh. Uh, of all these teams last night, the one that I was most impressed with, big surprise, is Duke. Um, to come out and beat Kansas, the way that they beat Kansas – this is a completely different Duke team. I mean, when you lose Zion, you lose RJ, they're not out there just lighting things up. Rick, it was kind of weird because this was a defensive team last night to hold Kansas to only 66 points. I'm not impressed with the fact that Duke beat Kansas. I'm impressed with the way Duke beat Kansas. Well, it was a much different look. It was kind of a throwback of sorts to some classic Duke basketball uh, absolutely, you're right. You know, it was it was very strange, and also in a, in a way too, watching Kentucky play 
where it wasn't all about these All-Americans, where immediately we're talking about, all right, uh, how early are they going to go in the lottery? You didn't have all of that. You have tremendous talents. You have some of the absolute top in, in the college game, but you don't have those mega stars that we've become accustomed to. This is a little bit of an old school throwback, and I actually I like it from both of these schools, uh, Duke and Kentucky. Well, shout out to our good friend Eric Lake there. You know, his boys are going to be sitting at number one in the nation come he you know, the next He was panicking. Fall. Oh, was he stressed going into that game? He didn't want to get embarrassed like we did to him last year. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, we don't forget. Go Devils. You know, Rick, there's one other team I wanted to talk about before we get out of college basketball. We got to talk about number 14, Memphis. Number 14, Memphis beat the ever-loving snot out of South Carolina last night, 97-64. to And the reason that I find this intriguing, head coach Anthony Penny Hardaway, the head coach of Memphis now, and supposedly Huckleberry, they have the number one recruiting class. Is Memphis going to reemerge in this thing, or is Memphis one of these schools that's just going to completely disappear with this fair pay-to-play act? Well, you know, I think that's an interesting dynamic that you bring in here. Even, you know, we take that out of the equation. One of my biggest things, and I know Penny's got the ties there and all that, but how long until one of these bigger schools come, you know, and, and you know, come courting? Yeah. And, hey, you if you're doing this at Memphis, man, Think what you could do over here on, you know, on the West Coast or down here on, you know, in Florida, you know, in SEC country where it's nice and, you know, a little bit set further south than Memphis there. Uh, but absolutely, you got to take into consideration these big, these big paydays that are, that are on the horizon if they can actually iron this thing out and get it pushed through. Could be scary. Let's talk a little bit of baseball. Yeah, I know. The World Series is already over. Congratulations to the Nationals once again. But, Rick, it's our favorite time of year. It's it's about time for the Hot Stove League to heat up. This thing's going to kick off Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And unlike the NFL, where everybody signs as fast as they possibly can, baseball will string this out until... Sometimes camp is already well underway before the big name free agents start signing, and they do that so that they can get more money and drive their value up over the offseason. Uh, this year, the big names, Anthony Rendon, Garrett Cole, and Steven Strasburg, who opts out of his deal with the World Series champions, Washington Nationals. Rick, every one of those guys is represented by that asshole, Scott Boris. I was going to say, you know, Boris somewhere, uh, he's up in his, his, what, up in his lair with that maniacal laugh going on. He is ready to work the system once again. Oh, man, he's about to get paid. He's about to get paid. Anyone associated with him is about to get paid. I got us just putting him over. We might get paid. It's possible. You you think we could get him to represent us with Hami? I'm totally down to get Scott Boris on board. (laughs) He will find us the best deal. We'll be on every major podcast network within about three days. I mean, absolutely. I mean, this guy is a magician. And you got you to gotta think, if you're a front office and you see that caller ID light up, oh. and it's coming from Scott Boris's office. I mean, you got to right start in the sweating. pocketbook. You got to start sweating, boys. Your pockets, I mean, if you're the owner, your pockets probably burst into flames. To give you guys a little bit of estimation what we're talking about, um, Garrett Cole, they are assuming it is going to take $35 million a year or a total deal of $280 million to sign Garrett Cole. Uh, Anthony Rendon is going to go out and he is going to get one of those just stupid contracts like Mike Trout did, like Bryce Harper did. Strasburg, on the other hand, he's a little bit older. He's like all of 31. He's had Tommy John surgery. He's probably only going to get like, you know, I don't know. 30 million a year. Absolutely just insane, ridiculous well, and, and, money. Well, and you know, you know, that's the counter there for Strasburg, but look what he just did. I mean, he's the hottest name in baseball right now. I cannot I mean, believe he opted out of Washington. I can't believe it. The way that they have worked with that kid since he debuted, just, I, I, I can't believe it. Like if he comes to the Yankees and tries to pull that load management shit, they're going to run him out of fucking New York. Well, and I think, you know, the reason that, you know, that this is going to be so interesting here is you look at a few of these teams that are out there. And as you would point out in the NFL, it's it's a sprint to get your contract. 
because you want to make sure you get as much as you can before they start maxing out that cap space. In baseball, you can wait it out and see if teams are willing to pay into that luxury tax. And you've got some teams that that should have been better, you know, more in contention that fell short of their goals this year that you got to believe are going to go spend. You know, I'm looking over in the, in the AL East. Boston's probably going to open up. I mean, they've already got nope. one of the higher payrolls. Nope. Boston's going the other way. Boston's trying to cut salary. Uh, the next thing on the run here, actually, Mookie Betts. It sounds like they're going to run Mookie Betts out of Boston uh, because 2020, he's going to be looking at $30 million a year. Four-time Gold Glove winner, 2018 AL MVP. But uh, the deal is, once you're over that cap, yeah, you pay the luxury tax, but they also fine you a repeater's tax for being over multiple years in a row. And that's what Boston's trying to avoid at this point. They're trying to get under that just so they can go back over it. They're just getting under that repeater's tax. Okay, I thought they were close. I thought they had a little bit of extension there. And I thought they were just – I thought their cutting was that they could add. No, that'll were, be next year. They were subtracting for addition. Okay, so they're a year out here. But, you know, there's other teams out there. And you got to – you know, the Dodgers probably are going to look yep, to add bad. a little ammunition in there. Uh, I mean, there's quite a few teams, you know, that, that had cuts, you know, that were doing exactly what you were explaining that Boston's kind of setting themselves up for that now are ready to spend – and these individuals are going to be paraded out there for them. You know, these talents are going to be sent out right to them and, and let the bidding war begin. The same thing's going to happen with the Cubs this year. I expect one of those big Cubs names, and I'm thinking it'll probably be Bryant, will get moved this offseason just so they can get underneath that repeater's tax again. And then next year, the Cubs are going to come out and they're going to be paying ridiculous money to somebody. You know the Yankees are – we're all in at this point. And I assume either Garrett Cole – or Steven Strasburg is going to end up in pinstripes. Hell, maybe even both of them. Rick, if you only had your choice between Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg, which one are you taking? Well, I mean, what? I, I, there's so much that goes more into this. I, what are my years? What are my financials? Well, let's, know, I, let, I, let, let's say, you know, it's a $280 million deal, and you're, you're going to end up having him for like seven years. Uh, I'm the Yankees. I'm hungry now. I'm going with Strasburg. I'm with you. I go Strasburg as well. Uh, I love Garrett Cole, and he's younger than Strasburg, but Strasburg's stuff is just nastier. If you're in that win now, I'm going no, with I'm, Strasburg. I, if I'm the Yankees, I'm the Yankees. I understand i got to give you this extended deal, five, seven years, whatever. I'm not really worried about the year three, four, five on that. I'm worried about what are you doing for me year one and two because yep. in my franchise, my mindset is do it now. Yep. Same re- I mean, was CC Sabathia's contract coming off the books now? I absolutely expect they're going to go out. They're going to try to get either Cole or Strasburg. And like I said, it would not surprise me if they go after both of them. Wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Kind of, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to watch. What's going to be really interesting to see there. If you have a team like the Yankees interested in two or more under the same representation of Boris, so how does how do he handles that? Yeah. Can I we get negotiate. a two for one deal? Yeah. You know? Can we get a BOGO? Yeah. Buy, buy one, get one half off. You betcha. You betcha. Let's talk a little bit about the NBA. And specifically, I want to start with Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard's a fucking pussy. Come the fuck on. We're eight games into the fucking season, and he's already kicking in load management. He's going to sit tonight at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. He doesn't want no part of Giannis. He wants no part of the Greek freak. And then he's going to play tomorrow night against fucking Portland. Come on, against Portland? You're going to sit out against Milwaukee and you're going to play against Portland. I understand it's a back-to-back. Dude, Like the season is two weeks in and we're already kicking in load management for Kawhi Leonard? Really? Yeah, is he, has he been pressed by the press about this? I mean, has anyone directly asked him, what is, I mean, what in, what's up with the game selection? Is it like written in there? Okay, every eight games you get one, it just happens to fall. I mean, oh, you he, would think here the deal. I'm not playing the first night of a back to back. That's what this that's, is. That's what it is. There, get the fuck okay. out of here. That's, that's absolutely insane. You know, you can go out there and take care of business. Uh, you know, against maybe you know Portland. I don't want to sell them short in any way. But you're going up against you know arguably the number one team in the East. 
Yes. You, know, you, you, you potentially could be squaring up against. And it's a marquee game. Like This is yeah. on ESPN. Giannis versus Kawhi early in the season. Hell yeah, dude. I'm, I'll watch and, that. And this is, you know, this has been a long running, you know, conversation piece with the NBA. Obviously, asterisk, card subject to change. You know, it, it happens sometimes. But it's been an issue. It's regularly repeated itself. So much that, you know, the commissioner's office has had to step in a couple of times where these stars are stepping out on, you know, these big stages. Well, these marquee games that you're looking, you're looking to sell advertising. You want viewers here. We talk numbers all the time. What does this do long term for the NBA? You know, if you're pitching games that, you know, a couple months out, you know, if I'm Coca-Cola, whatever it might be, and you're asking me for dollars and be like, well, I'll give you this because you're not guaranteeing me that you're top stars. I mean, I don't know what the viewership's going to be here. The only thing that I do like about this, at least it's a home game. This really pisses me off when it's a road game. Like if this game was in Milwaukee, I would be losing my freaking mind right now because a lot of these games, what people don't realize, like if I want to go to Minnesota and see the the Lakers play against the T-Wolves, all right, you either have to buy tickets through a third party like StubHub or you have to buy tickets for six fucking games. I don't want to go to six fucking games. I just want to go see the Lakers. And it's the same shit in Chicago because they're trying to sell you tickets so that you'll come see the Memphis Grizzlies play against the Minnesota T-Wolves as well as the Lakers. Like It's all part of this package that you have to buy. It's absolute lunacy. And then you get up there and, oh, LeBron took the night off. Well, I was going to say, you know, a, a family story. My niece, Megan. Her first NBA game. She was so excited to go to this thing. Uh, her, her and her husband, fiance at the time, they had just moved over by Indianapolis. They happened to come upon and the NBA, most expensive ticket of the majors. You know, absolutely. You know, it's just not like it's an easy night out, man. I mean, you're paying some bucks to go to these things. They, they, you know, some tickets fell relatively cheap in their lap. You know, you still got to go pay for your parking and food and all that. But we're looking forward to this thing because the Cavs are coming to town. It's LeBron. Well, he sits out that night. You know, a huge disappointment. And and that was, you know, a lot of people in attendance went there to go see LeBron. It was, you know, it was before the Pacers were even in any kind of contention. They were the bottom feeders there. Yeah, so, I mean, that's your selling point. Obviously, I mean, that is going to happen sometimes. But you want to stay away from that, you know, becoming a regular occurrence. Now, now here's a solution to that. You're talking about these six-game packages and the most expensive ticket in, you know, the hottest ticket in the game and all this. In Cleveland, uh, with the Cavaliers, they figured this thing out. Uh, the actual ticket price to the game is cheaper than the parking pass. It's the only way anybody will go watch the Cavs at this point. Team's awful. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Lakers because they be rolling. Yeah. Winners of six straight take out the Chicago Bulls last night, 118 to 112, which everybody's probably like, well, the Lakers should beat the Chicago Bulls. The Lakers were down 19 in this game. But, you know, the narrative today is LeBron James is great. He has three straight triple dubs, which means absolutely nothing. He's averaging 26 points, 11 assists, and eight rebounds in year 17. And everybody's talking about how the king has reclaimed his throne. And I'm sure that you all expect me to shill because you know that I'm a Lakers fan. But this whole narrative is Bullshit. You watch this game from last night. Anthony Davis sitting on the bench because he's in foul trouble. LeBron James starting the fourth quarter on the bench, freaking gassed. That dude was blown up like I don't think I've ever seen LeBron James. As Kyle Kuzma scores 11 of his 15 points in the fourth quarter during that 19-point comeback. Oh, yeah. And Quinn Cook, our boy, our dookie, goes 26 minutes last night score 17 points three of four from three point range rick we have been screaming this ever since he got into the league will somebody just let quinn cook play the kid is a baller but you know as soon as fucking rondo comes back quinn cook's gonna be back to six fucking minutes off the goddamn bench well, you know, yeah, like you said, everybody is hailing the king. That's what you should get from LeBron James. The story here in L.A., in La La Land, it's not the king. It's the new prince. It's Quinn Cook. This guy continues when he is given the opportunity. No pun intended. When you give him the ball, he does amazing things with it. Good things happen. Good things happen no matter where he's at. 
and you are right. You know, when they brought him in here, and he knows that as well, you know, it, that is his role. Step up, do your job when you are needed to, and he is lights out whenever he is called upon. And that's what you need, for, I mean, personally for him. And it, we've each followed him since his college days, and we root for him so much in the NBA. He's going to continue to get chance after chance after chance, and he's going to have a long, lustrous career because he is the perfect part to any machine. He is that kid that he's going to end up going somewhere, and it'll be somewhere that's like you know a mid-market team, like a Memphis. Well, it ain't going to be Memphis because they have John Morant, but you know, like a Toronto, and somebody's going to give him an opportunity, and the next thing you know, he's going to be a freaking all-star. Quinn Cook, like if you look at the plus minus in the league when he was playing with Golden State last year, his plus minus is like 14, 15 every freaking game. Just put him on the floor. And even when he's on the bench, when a timeout is called, guess who the first guy off that bench is greeting the players coming off the floor? It's always Quinn Cook. You know what? I was I was listening to his podcast earlier today. This is great. It ties in. We always make our comparisons here. You know, we, we love talking sports here on hashtag HTM sports, but you know, our backgrounds is profession is in professional wrestling. Quinn cook is the Arn Anderson of the NBA. Totally. No matter what you need, if you got to give him a microphone, he's going to cut a promo. You need him the curtain jerk. He'll go out there and get the crowd going. You, you need him. You need a cheerleader. You Quinn need Cook's him to work. You need him. You need him to work in, in the tag in a tag situation. He's got you going. You need the main event? Yeah, there you go. We are set. I mean, that's what he is. Another one of those guys is Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala is stranded in Memphis. Uh, they, they don't want him to play, but they refuse to buy him out, and they want somebody to trade for him. And there's plenty of teams that want Andre Iguodala, but they don't want to give up anything to get him because they know that Memphis ain't going to play him. So they're sitting around waiting for Iguodala to get bought out. Well, they came out and said, we're not going to buy him out. If somebody wants Andre Iguodala, you got to give us something for him. Rick, like this just seems like you're playing hardball with a guy who's been in the league for like 15 years, either play him or sit him, like send him packing, do something. This, this shows stranded in Memphis, come the fuck on. Well, I think, you know, the bigger situation here is what does this say about your franchise? I mean, you're going to treat, you know, treat a veteran player like this. And now later on, when you're looking to, you know, to court other players, free agents coming in here, I mean, who's going to take you seriously? I mean, who's going to want to deal with an atmosphere like this? I mean, it it might hurt you here, but, you know, cut bait. Let him go and and move on from it. You know, sometimes you get in these bad situations. I understand, you know, that the teams, they don't want to be pushed around. You don't want to let, you know, we, it's how we see it in the NFL where the players are just dictating every, seemingly dictating every move now. Obviously, Memphis doesn't want to let that, you know, become a trend with them, uh, but this could have a backfire effect. Yeah, absolutely. Let's switch over to the NFL as we round things out this week. Huckleberry, the Ravens beat the perfect Pats. The perfect season is over. Tom Brady's 7-10th game winning streak is over, and everybody is selling on the Patriots. Everybody's out. The Patriots are dead and buried. They're like 8-1. I saw saw a a national poll today where they had asked individuals, are the Patriots still the best team in the NFL? And it was was like 61% in favor of that statement. No, they just got got. You know, they were on the road. It was a big game, as you had pointed out last week on this show. I, I thought they were going to get it done. I thought they were going to kind of get that boulder off of their shoulder. But Belichick, he has an issue with those scrambling, those running and scrambling quarterbacks. Um, Ravens came out and played it all around uh, in big moments. I mean, they came out in the, in the opening of that game. The first quarter, they were so dominant. Uh, kind of slowed off a little bit, but then they continued to make big play after big play when needed. And Brady had quite a down week. And that's actually, if you're going to worry about anything right now with the Patriots, it's it's then that Brady and that offense has been in a rather slump here for the last couple of weeks. How many guys on the offense can you name other than Tom Brady? Yeah, exactly. And the guys that you can name, they're gone. Like Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Sony Michelle. I don't even know what the hell's going on with Sony Michelle at this point. Um, Rick, Belichick is one of these guys 
that I think is like Vince McMahon. He's just a diabolical mastermind evil genius. And we see them do this in the preseason all the time. This kind of felt like a preseason game to me. Like Belichick's like, we're going to have to play this team again. So we're not going to do anything. Well, I think it's, you know, it's one of those, we made this comparison earlier, you know, we're talking about how you handle that in college football and it's so different because it's so important each and every time. In the NFL, you can relax a little bit. You don't show your hand. You got to believe right now. I mean, Baltimore's coming in. Hey, watching that game, I mean, that place was intense. I mean, it looked Mm -hmm. awesome. And the Patriots were done. Like, it, it just felt like they were going through the motions that entire game. Like Belichick's like, yeah, we just want to go out there and get a whole bunch of film on Lamar Jackson. And uh, when we play these guys in January, we'll do it for real. And that's what you, that's what you really have to look at here. And that's, you know, the eye, especially I was watching the game with uh, an over the top Ravens fan. You, you want to talk about an annoyance. I'm going to throw under the bus here. My little sister, Nicole. I don't know where the hell she picked up this Ravens thing from, but she is over the top about it. She is jumping everywhere, going insane. And I kept telling her, like, settle down. Settle down. It's week nine. Yeah. Settle down. You haven't done anything. You know, at the end of it, I was throwing out the joke there. I said, yeah, I mean, that's great. You made a statement. You had a statement game. You know who else thought that last year when they almost did this? was Kansas City. And even, you know, and then then – you know, Kansas City almost won that regular season. They took the loss there. But the Patriots held back. They didn't show their whole hand. But Kansas City did. And then when they got to the playoffs, guess who was ready for them? Yep. Guess who had everything blueprinted out? And that was the Patriots. I mean, it's you're, you're exactly right. You know, it's almost like you play into their trap. Think of it like as a boxing match. You know, sure. In round six or seven. Gonna let you swing as much as you want. Yeah, I mean, but when we get in those late rounds, you're gonna be tired, and we know all your moves. We know everything you're coming at, and we're gonna knock you out. Time of possession in this game was like 37 to 20, right? The the, the Ravens had the ball the whole freaking game, or 37 to 23. 37 20 was the actual score of the game. I I that's not gonna happen to the Patriots every time out. You know how often did they blitz? They didn't. You have a running quarterback in there, and the Patriots are playing six defensive backs. Like like Lamar Jackson was going to torch him going down the field. No, that's not going to happen. They play January in Foxborough. There's going to be four DBs, and they're going to bring the freaking heat. Lamar Jackson ain't going to be able to turn that edge. Belichick's a freaking mastermind. My dream is ruined. It is done. So now I have a, a short-lived substitution. Baltimore Ravens, you went out, you did it. You beat an 8-0 team this past week. Now this week you're going to go out and lose to an 0-8 team. Hey, Coming hey. down to Cincinnati, baby. There you go. Uh, Chargers, let's talk about the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, potentially the St. Louis Chargers, potentially the London Chargers, although their owner comes out and says that's just complete bullshit. Uh, Chargers embarrass the Packers. 26 to 11, 442 yards of total offense. Rick, we talked about this last week on the show. This Packers defense has become bend, don't break, and they're breaking a whole lot more than they're bending at this point. 442 yards to Phillip Rivers and the Chargers? Two points on this. Yeah, you're right. You know, I was defending them left and right. You know, they're, they're playing that bend, don't break. Well, they went damn broke. They didn't just break. They got shattered. That's what you saw here. But, you know, not to just kind of ask what's wrong in Green Bay. You know, we've been asking what isn't right in L.A. for the Chargers for a while here. Phillip Rivers, he's much like Aaron Rodgers. And we make that comparison to a Randy Orton type. When they flip that switch, when they want to, they're absolutely magnificent. And that's what you got here from Rivers. All of a sudden, the Chargers are two games back in the AFC West. They went from two and four to four and four. Do we start taking them seriously again? Or do we just get fooled by the Chargers like we do every year? Well, if they're going to turn anything on, they got a couple weeks to do it because history shows, you know, we've got a pattern with them. They've only got a couple weeks to get themselves into contention because once you get into December late in that year, I mean, they, they kind of, you know, where, where did the bolts go? Yep. Aaron Rodgers. 
uh, basically called out his teammates on this thing. Um, and I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, he basically says that La La Land got to Green Bay. They got a lot of young players on that team. They landed in Los Angeles on Friday. Maybe they went out. They were partying with the champion, getting a little bit of the bubbly. Rick, Aaron Rodgers just made this out to be, we need to be more mature. And we need to realize that what we do the 48 hours before the game is going to impact the game. Without calling anybody out, he called that entire team out. And I think this was probably a good thing for Green Bay. So you're saying the Packers, they went all varsity blues. Yep, pretty much. And this happens to teams when they go to Los Angeles and when they go to Miami. The only thing is the Miami Dolphins stink. But, you know, you land on a Friday afternoon, you're in Miami, you've been in Green Bay, Wisconsin for nine freaking weeks. What do you want to do? Oh, I want to go out and enjoy the nightlife. Oh, I'm going to have a couple of drinks. And then, you know, it turns into 20 and, you know, you're hung over as shit for what basically ends up being a, a three o'clock in the afternoon game. Speaking of that, did you see the uh, the live feed from the uh, Lambeau Stadium cam today? No, I didn't. Covered. Covered. Ha ha Ah, yes. Welcome to the frozen tundra that is Lambeau Field. The old uh, the old Panthers travel up there this week. Yeah. Yeah. But they benched Cam. Cam is done. There's a bunch of people in Chicago want Cam Newton. I don't understand why. I'd rather have Andy Dalton than Cam Newton. Well, I think, you know, you, what you really got to look at is you got to look at your, your situation. I mean, Cam's not really going to fit into what the Bears have going there. And if you're Cam Newton, do you want that fit? I mean, you think you, you want to be somewhere – Cam Newton, you want to be somewhere where you have the option to play indoors at home late in the year or in a nice climate where your legs are going to be loose. You can get your get that speed game going. Like if you're the Bears, you want someone like Dalton that can manage a clock, can just handle the game, and he's going to be able to play in those elements and I or want thrive some, in those elements. I want somebody who's boring. I don't want somebody with the personality of Cam Newton. He has that personality in Charlotte, North Carolina. What in the hell do you think is going to happen if he goes to Chicago? He's going to be a freaking insane nut, nutcase, man. He's going to yeah, be Jim Cam 2.0. You know where Cam should go? South Beach. That would be fitting. Um, maybe he ends up in St. Louis. Uh, Rick, I, I keep hearing this pop up every twice in a while that the Chargers have been offered an opportunity to go to St. Louis. Now, their owner came flat out and denied the London allegations and said that they were bullshit. I don't see him doing that with St. Louis. Is there any chance that the Chargers end up in St. Louis? Well, you know, this is going back to even when they moved to L.A. And it almost seems, if you really dive into the story, it almost seems like the league had kind of forced their hand on this. That they really were open to going and taking that space in St. Louis, which is, you know, his proven time and time again, tremendous football market. They take their time. It's, just, you know, all around, it's an incredible fan base. You see what, you know, how the support that they give to the Blues, even when they're down. Obvious there with, with the Cardinals and the great tradition. You know, the times that they had the Rams, you know, the love there. It was all about a stadium. That's, that, that's the only reason that the Rams are in Los Angeles right now is because St. Louis wouldn't build them a stadium. And, and the Edward Jones Dome is falling apart. Well, and absolutely. And then, you know, then you just you toss onto the fire that the, the league itself would do absolutely anything to once again occupy that L.A. market, which, I mean, it, it makes sense in itself. It's, you know, it's the second biggest market in the country here. Uh, one of the biggest in the world. You want to have a team there, but then you kind of pull back that scope and you look at these poor chargers. I mean, they're not even like fifth, sixth or seventh on the line when it comes to importance of what you're, you know, what you're spending your buck on investing your time and attention towards. They're nowhere near that. It's they're not even UCLA and UCLA stinks. Right. I mean, they're, they're sharing a stadium with a major league soccer team that I don't even think that when it comes to, you know, the attention and the importance that they even compete with. Uh, why wouldn't you at least take that team out of that market? Give Saint, give that back to St. Louis, a, a fan base that is absolutely hungry for the NFL right now, and, and let them thrive there. Yeah, 
completely agree. And, and this, and to go real quick to this London conversation, and this is this seems almost like the LA agenda. This is something that they that they probably regularly talk about. How can we pull this off? But you got to believe that they sit, you know, sit in that boardroom and look across that table, and they have to realize that this could never work. It's a logistical nightmare. You know, outside. I mean, unless you make all these exemptions for for that franchise, um, I mean, you're going to have to remove salary caps. You're going to have to give franchise financial incentives. I mean, you're not going to pull any. Any player of substance is not going to want to go live with. Hell, you're talking about you know the last until it was shot down by the owner. I'm sure they they were they were probably approached with a proposal and all this. Hey, you know we we have been trying to do this. Would you be open to this? Look, Philip Rivers do a fit. Just happened to move a little bit down the highway. Yeah, him and his 18 kids. Uh, if there's one team that's going to be in London, it's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and people have thought that for a very, very long time. Obviously, the Cons have great ties over there. Hell, at one point, Sean Khan tried to buy Wembley Stadium. They already own Fulham First Class. So it, it makes a lot of sense on a lot of different fronts. Rick, now I am hearing the Cons want a new stadium in Jacksonville. The mayor of Jacksonville is saying, yeah, talk to me in 10 years. We'll sit down. We'll have a conversation. Um, is this the beginning of the Jaguars moving to London. You, you got to believe that there's any team inside the NFL that would be willing to take, to make that move, to take that risk. It would probably be the cons with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've already got ties there. They have, you know, great business uh, outside of sports set up in that area. They can make that, that transition. And, and they are a struggling franchise. You know, the other day on social media at the real RBV, I put out there, you know, if you're going to move a team over there, it should be a team that is kind of accustomed to or doesn't really concern themselves over the top about wins and losses, considering that is a successful run as a franchise. Now, once you get over there, I think for a couple of years, you're going to see you know great gains financially because it does seem that they have a, a good base that is hungry, that would kind of sink their teeth into a team that is their own. Uh, obviously, I mean, the Jaguars, not, you know, joking, hashtag London Bengals, you know, Mike Brown would take that money in a heartbeat. You know, yeah. it, it's it's the franchise philosophy here in Cincinnati. It goes back to his dad, Paul Brown. It's been instilled in him that in a decade, if you go 500, your franchise did its job. If you could make a Super Bowl in that decade, then you can throw on a couple extra losing seasons. That was the philosophy of his father. The difference there is between the old man, Paul, and the son, Mike, is Paul understood football. He understood X's and O's. He knew what talent was. Now, Mike, he's a hell of a, he's a hell of a businessman. Great lawyer. I mean, he's got, he's got Hamilton County down here bent over. I mean, this whole county is screwed. They're paying, he would, he might not want to move because he's got for like 20 years where the county is paying him. They built the stadium for it. He owns it. It's had an incentive kick in where now the county pays for the cleanup after the games. I mean, he's loving it. He's loving life here. Ridiculous. Uh, the Jaguars benching Gardner Minshew in favor of Nick Foles, who's going to be returning. Do you like that move? It's it's one of those things. You know, I, I'm always against the losing your job because of an injury, but I think you do. You're on a short leash if you're gonna, you know, if you go out there and you can't perform, then you go back. You revert back to you know what was kind of working for you. <laughs> Well, I don't know what in the hell was ever kind of working for the Cleveland Browns other than running their goddamn mouth. They went out and got beat by the freaking Broncos. Huckleberry, weren't the Browns supposed to win this one? Freddie Kitchens, two and six. Freddie, it's getting hot in the kitchen. They're about ready to throw your ass out of there. Two and six? This one was a give me. It, this is absolutely, you know, going into this thing, it, it is a wonder that they just didn't leave his ass in Denver. I it, it It's starting to get warm over there, right? I mean, because we talk about this all the time. You know, the national media talks about it, but on the ground, people are still behind Freddie Kitchens. Is that still the case there in Ohio? It, it absolutely is not. You are starting to see, you know, the fan base here in Ohio, this Browns nation, the dog pound. Uh, they're ready to bite. You know, they, they are they are growing anxious here. And, you know, in the overall, you know, kind of thought was, man, you had the coaches carousel going for so long. 
where it was such a short leash, you know, give somebody an opportunity. Well, you kind of did that the last time around, and, and you had, what, two wins over three years. You see a little bit of success with the interim coach last year, and then you you have con you you have contacts, you have conversations with Mike McCartney, who you know has been there, who's done that, who has led top-notch programs, who understands this league, who understands his players, but because of a simple dispute where he did not want to retain Freddie Kitchens as an offensive coordinator, you bypass on that, and then you give the keys to the entire to the entire franchise. You put him in the driver's seat, Freddie Kitchens. This was a mistake from the get-go. Now you can go out there and they, hey, the ownership group, you know, they they did a great job kind of masking all of this thing where they got all these star position, you know, all, you know, it's a specialty positions. And I keep, I keep regularly hearing this from fans. Like, we got an all-star team. No, you don't. You have you have some all-star running backs and wide receivers with a sophomore quarterback, and you have an absolute garbage line and an iffy at best defense. And a special team somewhere in between. And you don't have the leadership to gel that together and grow forward. There is no way in hell this team should be sitting here at, at two, with a two-win season. What the hell is going on with Baker Mayfield? He shaved like three times during the game. Like, really? You're, you're more concerned with your beard than the fact that you're two and six? Or is your beard just a metaphor for being two and six? Like, well, again, you know, this this is about everything else besides the X's and O's on the field, your game planning. And this, again, this falls on the coaching staff and the buck stops with Freddie Kitchens. Why he is still the head coach of this team is beyond me. I mean, this has to be he has to be on a do or die week to week right now. How he is still there is absolutely it's mind blowing. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Uh, let's talk about the marquee games of the week. In some cases, with an A instead of an E. W E A K. Thursday, the four and five Chargers at the four and four Raiders. Rick, this is suddenly a huge game inside of the AFC West. I don't even know how I feel about this game. Well, as you said, you have both teams kind of knocking at the door. There, you have got a wounded Chiefs. Uh, even outside of losing Patrick Mahomes, that they were exposed before this. You know, we were we have been shown the blueprint how to shut down this high-powered Chiefs offense, and then you got to got to be wondering, you know, are they even going to be up to that same level that you come to expect from that offense once Mahomes comes back? But this is this is a big game here for two teams kind of hovering around that 500 record. The six and two Buffalo Bills at the Cleveland Browns, who are two and six. And for one reason or another, Vegas has Cleveland favored in this game by two and a half points. Hey, Rick, guess who I'm putting all my money on this week? The Buffalo Bills. I know we got to get to our locks, but I'll give away one of mine. I got Buffalo all day in this thing. You know, I, I've sat down. I've, I, I was a doubter of theirs. And I, I started watching some, uh, some film on them, some of the highlights, some of the lowlights even. Uh, I think they got something going here. Obviously, they're still not in the class up there in the AFC East of the Patriots. But I think, you know, this is, you know, a team that's going to be fun down down a stretch. It's going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to they're going to walk into Cleveland and they're going to hit those final nails in, in the coffin of Freddie Kitchens. How is Cleveland favored in this game? I don't understand. It's it's one of those head scratchers, but. Sometimes it's hard to question the methods in Vegas. All the money on the Buffalo Bills. All of it. All of it. Vikings 6-3 at Cowboys 5-3. Dallas by 3 is the spread here. This has got to be one of the best games of the week. I'm looking forward to seeing what Dak Prescott can do against this Minnesota defense. Minnesota quietly just putting together a really nice season here. Minnesota is one of those teams I don't want to run into come playoff time because Delvin Cook is freaking ridiculous. Uh, absolutely. I mean, this is this is going to be a, a must-see here. And it's this is one of those mid-of-the-season games that might be very telling about what we're going to see in this postseason. I mean, this is a, this is big for positioning. This isn't one of those we were talking about earlier with the Patriots and the Ravens. You, you hold back you know, a little bit because you know you're going to meet later on. This is we got to make up. This is a proving ground match. Yeah, 
Uh, biggest game of the weekend, the 7-2 and two Seattle Seahawks go into San Francisco, 8-0. San Francisco favored by six points in this one. Huckleberry, does the final unbeaten fall this weekend? Can Russell Wilson pull off the magic in San Francisco? I don't think so. I'm going to go get you on this one. And and the intrigue here, and this is a perfect marquee Monday night matchup, as great as the Niners are right now, and they they are tremendous. And they're doing it here. They are legit. But this this division, it still belongs to Seattle. You've still got to go through them and prove yourself here. Uh, This is kind of one of those passing of the torch sort of games. And don't be surprised. And, you know, Seattle knows this. They're going to be prepared. Pete Carroll is going to have his team ready. Russell's going to come out here and give you one of his all-time great performances. And this is this is going to be a hell of a game, I believe. And, and I think Seattle's going to go down there. They're going to put their foot down right on the jugular. Say, yeah, you've had a great run. You're 8-0, but this is still our division. So let's throw it over to the locks. Hit me with it, Steve. Give me a hell yeah! Huckleberry. This has become the easiest game in the world for me because I I now know how I'm going to do my locks for the rest of the season. Whoever's playing Cleveland and whoever's playing Chicago, those are going to be my locks for the rest of the season. This week, that leaves me with the Detroit Lions. I'm putting all of it on the Detroit Lions. The Bears stink, and they're still sticking with Mitchell Trubisky. I don't understand it. I don't understand the Chicago Bears. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love that one, man. I, I stayed away from it on my picks, though, but I, I like Detroit. I took them over on the hashtag HCM Sports NFL Pick'em Challenge. So I, that's going to be I, for a road win here. I think the Lions going in and get it done. And then, of course, the Buffalo Bills. I, t- I don't understand how Buffalo is a dog going into Cleveland. This just blows my freaking mind. Six and two at two and six. And they have the Browns favored. Who do you got, Huckleberry? Let me pull it back up here. Uh, yeah, you know what? As I said there, I, I, I kind of spoiled it there. I'm going with Buffalo on the road. I still got them on the board. Going to go ahead and take them going into Cleveland to win this thing as dogs. Flip side of that, you damn Dolphins. You've ruined my season, so I got to go against you this week. You're going to Indy. I still got the Colts on the board. I'm going with the shoe to kick you in the fence. You know, as I'm looking at like looking for upsets this week, I kind of like Pittsburgh. The Rams are going into Pittsburgh. All of a sudden, Huckleberry, Pittsburgh's back to 500. Hey, I, I, I'm with you again, 100% on that thing. Absolutely loving the Steelers at home. I, I want to tell you though, you know, I think I think the fix was in. You know, we we come from the world of professional wrestling, which all predetermined last week before. In the pregame, before the Colts and the Steelers, the, all the talk, all the highlights, visiting, you know, visiting history and all that was going back to 2005 when the Colts, when uh, Vanderjack, a sure, sure shot fire kicker, misses a field goal after Vettis fumbled that ball and the Colts lose that game to the Steelers. And what do we have this week? How does that play out? Another sure shot, sure fire kicker. A legend, a Hall of Famer, misses a field goal so that the Pittsburgh Steelers can win. Uh, is this the XFL? Who is booking this shit? I mean, the fix was in on that thing. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. Be sure that you visit Hameen Media online, Hacker Hameen. Dot podbean.com you can find me across all social media platforms oh yeah rick guess where else they can find me at the very top of the pigskin pick'em because i'm fucking killing that shit i, I just pulled it up here jargo leading the way 93 correct throughout the season here at a 99.7 percentage on these picks here you just add out edged out matt singleton 
He had a little, he stumbled a little bit this week. Two weeks ago, he went out there went 15 for 15. We did some research on this thing. If he just would have ran a dollar parlay for all 15 games, $16,000 is what he would have taken home that week. Holy shit. Yes. Uh, me, on the other hand, I, I am falling. I am tumbling down in these standings. Last week, I gambled. I took all dogs. I was trying to make a run here. I'm only sitting at 84, but hey, I'm still two better and Mr. Magnificent Tommy Wonder. So that's all that matters. So in the pick of everything's good in the world. If he overtakes you in those standings, you know how much goddamn crow you're going to be eating. I, I know. <laughs> at that point, you know, we're, we're going to have to, at that point, if it happens, we're going to have to invite him over to the Heading Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You get him on the Monday locker room here at hashtag HTM Sports. But, th- you know, we're talking about all the great you know the shows that we're a part of the platforms we're on i guess uh, a little extra programming plug here i heard uh you're gonna be on saturday night oh yes yeah for aew you bet yeah with uh you're gonna be doing the full gear review uh and it looks like this evening as everything goes as planned and i'm gonna be there on uh, i guess our our preview is we're gonna be going for uh, light diffuse following uh, dynamite tonight and, and both times we'll, uh, we'll be with the the host MSG. Are, are you going to record in full gear? Mm-hmm. Shoulder pads, helmet, all that. I was thinking more hangman page style. I think I'll just record in my underwear. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you later on this weekend for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!